You're listening to Garibaldi Red, a Nottingham Forest podcast brought to you by Nottinghamshire Live. Hello, welcome to Garibaldi Red with what is our last episode before Christmas and we're here to talk about Nottingham Forest's latest win against Hull City, which takes them up to seventh in the championship, almost unbelievably, just one point off the playoffs. And to do so, we are joined in the company, first of all, by Reds legend Gary Bertels. Hello, Gary, you well? Good morning. And our second guest today is Forest fan and the manager of Hutnell Town Sunday League team, to give him his football credentials as well, Michael Temple. Temps, hello, you well? I'd, I'd prefer Reds legend, to be honest. That was <laughs> the same intro. Well, I've, I've been in the non-league as well, the Sunday League as well, so I know what it's all about. Yeah, start that again. Just just flip the intros. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's talk about the whole City game. Um, Temps, you were there. I was listening to it and I always thought Forrest were going to win the game until they went behind and then I did get a bit twitchy. What was it like in the ground? What did you make of it? No, fans remain positive. I think there's a resilience now, isn't there? And even if we do go behind early or it takes us a while to, to find the breakthrough, there's still a confidence that we'll find it. So I thought it was a really... Uh, positive performance, maybe a slightly dubious penalty, which we'll get to at some point, I'm sure. Um, but yeah, the, the form is excellent. The prospects are excellent. And it seems a, a long, long time ago now that Gary and I were debating whether or not we were worried about relegation. Yeah, we'll come on to the bigger picture soon. But uh, Gary, can you actually believe Forrest the seventh, given how the season started? Well, if, if like, you know, we said, like Michael said, what, three, what, two months ago or whatever it is when Steve came in, we would never have envisaged this, how good this has been and how he's turned it round and how everything is so incredibly positive. Uh, the players have just massively bought into what he wants them to do. And you've got to give the players credit for that because it's not always easy when somebody comes in with new plans, new systems, new ways of going about things, new training methods, and they take everything on board. If you don't take it on board, you know, the manager coming in then has a problem. But Steve's been absolutely ultra positive about everything he's done. And, uh, you know, you can only applaud him for that. And Hull were the, one of the form teams in the league. You know, people say it was only Hull. You know, that was a bit disrespectful because, you know, they got a really good run going. And to beat them was, you know, I think a particularly good result. What did you make of the the kind of the first half? So starting with the team selection, it was unchanged with Yates at the back again when he could have played in midfield and he could have gone 4-2-3-1. Um, Forrest seemed very comfortable, but then they fell behind. What did you make of the team selection and the manner of the goal they conceded? Yeah, I really like Yates at centre-half. Um, I think he has excellent defensive qualities as we know but just that little bit more quality and assurance when he's um, bringing the ball out and he probably is a bit more qualified than Joe Worrell to hit those you know 45 yard diagonals and um, launch launch attacks so yeah really impressed with that I think Osei Tutu fits into that mould of kind of attacking fullback wing back and had some joy first half I think credit for their goal um, you, you could say we were caught out long ball over the top but the the first touch from um, Keen Potter and the assurance he had to, to slot it away was was quite impressive. Prior to that, um, Hall was, was seemingly content to set up for the draw. They were a bit cat and mouse first half, played on the break and only really had scraps to play with. So that bit of quality was a difference. But I, I think I was still confident we'd get back into it. There was no point where um, the crowd turned. 
um, and with one or two tweaks to the to the shape, we became um, increasingly potent as the game went on. I, th- I think grabbing off the left was a bit of a failed experiment first half, um, and you know it was it was right that ultimately he was placed back at the the top of the pitch. Um, yeah, so I wonder how best we we, we use grabbing going forward because that didn't work for me. Um, he missed quite a. Uh, a decent chance when uh, Colbacks whipped a good ball left peg and um, grabs has hit it first time on the volley. It's gone out for a throw in, um, but yeah, I think that 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 could have changed the the pattern of the game. That was probably the better chance in the in the first half. But yeah, look, ultimately got the selection right. Maybe the shape needed a bit of a bit of a tweak. Um, Cooper saw that, reacted, and we managed to turn it around after the break. What do you make of Yates as a centre half, Gary? Are you going to tell me it's easy to play having done it yourself? Um, yeah, I mean it was e- it's easier for a striker, I think, because you know where your opponent's going to run and what you know what he's going to do and you know his movement and things like that, and you can check it. So maybe a little bit more difficult for somebody in midfield, but the confidence we spoke about this a couple of weeks ago, the confidence he's got at the moment is just staggering, and you know he play anywhere, and he's he's. He's comfortable. He's good in the air, which always helps as a centre half. And he's good, at, you know, with the ball at his feet. He's not scared to have it. That's that's one thing. Now you, you can't do as a centre half. Be scared to have the ball. Um, I mean, I loved having the ball at my feet when I was playing centre half because I had a good first touch. You know, I could pass the ball. You know, long, short. So it came quite easy for me in that respect. But uh, you know. He's taking in everything on board and what Michael said about tweaking things, that's what Steve Cooper will do. If he doesn't think it's right after 15, 20 or whatever minutes, I think he'll look at it and say, right, might have got this wrong. And I, I, I love to see that in a, in a manager because commenta- commentating on games, it, it's like substitutions. It always seems to be by the book after the hour mark, you know, unless somebody's injured, oh, let's bring them on after an hour. But I think Steve is proactive rather than reactive. You know, he's he he, he just he sees something's not right, and he'll he'll try and change it straight away. And um, you know, again, the players, I think they know that they're ready for it. And uh, you know, it, it's it's got to be a very positive thing for everybody in the squad at the moment because they know it could happen. They're prepared for it, and they're, they're ready to go to Plan B, as it were. And uh, yeah, it's it was a, a game. With all the games being, you know, off, a game they knew they had to win to put pressure on the top six. And that's not always easy, by the way, because, you know, you're desperate to get involved. You're desperate to put pressure on teams above you. And it doesn't always come off. And it did. And even when they were behind, I was, you know, I'd got back from the uh, Villa game. I was supposed to be doing the Villa-Burnley game. Um, And I got back to watch, you know, uh, Soccer Saturday. And even at 1-0 down, I, you know, I wasn't feeling any sort of fear or thinking, oh, no, as the run come to an end. Because the number of times we've seen in the second half, how Steve's half-time team talk has worked, um, you know, I think speaks for itself. And the fact that the players respond to that, you know, you've got to give them credit. And, yeah, it's it, it, it's all now dependent on what's going on over Christmas. You know, we don't know. We might know more today. Um, it'll be a shame if, you know, the run stutters because of what's going on. There might be a, you know, another lockdown. We don't know yet. The rumour is there's going to be. So it, it's a bit disappointing in, in that respect. But you, it's it, 
if it's got to happen, it's got to happen. You know, we can't uh, just mull over and say, right, well, it shouldn't happen. Uh, but it's, you know, it wouldn't come at a good time because of the run they're on at the moment. But I just think they're, they're good enough to bounce back at any time. You know, I think these Steve's training methods, by all accounts, are, you know, excellent. And, uh, I, you know, it's it's not a worry if, if it does stop for the team. Um, yeah, it's... It, it is what it is. We all know where the, the world we live in at the moment and we just have to take every day as it comes. If it's left in football's hands, Gary, what would you rather see? Would you rather see clubs fielding 23s players, 18s players and just getting games in or would you rather that there was a break now if football's allowed to decide? Well, I, I think they should have called the games off at the weekend and uh, then maybe would have got the Christmas period, but I don't think we'll get the Christmas period now. So, and I think... It, it really annoys me at times. I Meaning, I go to games and I'm still very, very pro wearing a mask. And you know, you look at people say, "Why are the why are the cases going up on a, a massive, you know, uh, basis? You know, every day at the moment with this current variant." Well, you go to every Premier League club in the in the in football, and there's sixty odd thousand people, and they're all sitting next to each other. None of them have got masks on. So there in, in itself, you see how many people are doing that and then you go out the ground afterwards and you're all right crammed next to each other, you're walking next to each other. And this new variant apparently is is spreading because of, you know, the particles are, you know, come out very quickly and blah, 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 you know, whatever it is. And, you know, it's no surprise that the cases are going up because, you know, I won't go in a ground without a mask and I won't come out a ground without a mask because... You know, what I went through, I, it, it just sticks with you. You know, you, you want to be OK. You want to protect people from yourself. But I'm not surprised. And nobody's, you know, sort of mentioned the fact that, you know, the cases could be because of, you know, football grounds. People say, yeah, it's out in the open, though. But you're, you're crammed next to each other. You're sitting next to somebody all the time. And you're talking all through the game. You're shouting. You're jumping about, you know. So what do they do? You know, what do you do? It's It's not particularly good. Um, back to the game temps. Obviously, um, Forest levelled through Graben's penalty, and it's actually a well-taken penalty, probably the best penalty he's taken for Forest. Well, thought, thoughts on the penalty? Was it a penalty? And could Forest have had one sooner with a foul on Yates? Do you think it's the type of penalty that Mighton and Brennan um, seem uh, adept at winning, isn't it? They kind of square up their full back and then just try to do them for pace, and uh, they'll either get scythed down. Um, or, or or skip past them and square it. If you watch, if you watch that in real time, everybody off their seat, everybody convinced it was a penalty, and a lot of concern immediately for for Mighton and the, the potential injury. Um, it was only when I got home and watched the replay that I saw that it was the second, it was the second defender who got the touch on the ball, uh, followed through, and um, yeah, gave Mighton a bit of a clattering. But I think um, if you read the whole media after the game. They're up in arms and convinced it wasn't a penalty. Ref doesn't have the benefit of VAR, makes a snap decision, and it didn't look like a shocker. But watch it back from five angles. And, yeah, I wouldn't say Mighton's bought one because the follow-through definitely hurt him. But it was uh, it was a good tackle from the Hull defender. Put that aside. Long break. Grabs has probably got the ball in his hand for three or four minutes. And he, he stepped up and slotted it. And, yeah, he looked um, very assured. As he, as I'll he... tell you what, I bet if it had gone the other way, Hull would have been delighted with it, the decision. That, that, we talk about VAR again. I mean, it means it's absolutely 
I think, pathetic at the moment, that, you know, what's going on. The penalty decisions that weren't given, the Liverpool one yesterday, Jota mm-hmm. going down. I mean, goodness me, how blatant was that and how can it not be given? Newcastle should have had one. What is going on with VAR? Are these, are these people stuck in these rooms? I, I don't know what they're seeing, what they're looking at. You know, just contact, just go and go to the screen. It's just, it's getting worse. It's supposed to be getting better. It's just not. And it's blatantly obvious and it's causing so many ructions that something's got to be done. I mean, I've said this before. I went down to the original, before it started, We as broadcasters, we had to go down and go through the whole process of what it was about. And um, Neil Swarbrick was the, the guy in charge. And I said to him, because we, we had to go through certain situations, and I was picking things up as an ex-player that they, they weren't seeing. And I was pointing them out, and they said, oh, I didn't see that. I didn't see that. And I said to Neil, I said, why don't they get an ex-player in there to, to even things out? So Because it would help. It would help everybody. You know, you'd be, be neutral. You wouldn't have to, you know, have somebody who's associated with a football club. And they just don't seem to want to do that. And it makes perfect sense to be able to do that. And something's got to change because it's just getting people booked like Jurgen Klopp. He gave you right to be emotional about it. And it, it's something's got to be done. And But in the championship, referees don't have that availability of anything. They have to make a decision there and then. And as Michael said, it looked, you know, to start with like it was a penalty. So what's a referee supposed to do? You know, OK, it might not have been a penalty, but... He's got to go on what he saw in an instant, and he thought it was a penalty. Full stop. You know, you, you can't give referees that stick if it looks like it, and then all of a sudden, with hindsight, oh, yeah, we saw it later, definitely not a penalty. doesn't work like that. Well, hopefully next year, Gary, this will be a Premier League podcast, and we can be angry about <laughs> VAR decisions. Now you're talking. Now you're talking. <laughs> that was you who said that, not me. Well, oh. You mentioned Premier League. Greg Mitchell, who's on here all the time, is dreaming of you know the Champions League in two years. I think so. He's getting weird of himself. Um, well, on grabbing Gary, do you see a bit of an evolution of a player who's you know he's in his early to mid thirties now? He's got four assists this season, which is more than he's got in other seasons. Like he's playing out wide, whether he wants to or not. He's slightly evolved his role. Do you do you think he's changing as a player as he gets a bit older? I think you can. You can as evolve as a player. I think I, I got as I got older. I got I got a little bit better as a, a player as, as I got older. You know, I look at some of the games I played for Forest when I was a younger. You know, in the European Cup, even then I thought, mm, not sure about that. But then I look at later performance, I thought, oh, that's not bad. Um, and I think again, I've been a critic of Lewis because of his, you know, the lack of touches he has in games. You know, he's only had eleven touches in in games. You know, things like that. But I think. I watched him against Peterborough and um, his, his work rate has massively improved. And I think the responsibility has been given by Steve has, has definitely helped that. And um, his, his vocality is there as well. You, you see him trying to organise things. And uh, before, I don't think he did that. So maybe responsibility suits certain players better than others. And, uh, you know, I think he, he seems to enjoy it. And, uh, you know, it's good to see that you know, he's bounced back to the form we know he can produce. And I know I said this to you on WhatsApp the other day, but I was watching I Believe in Miracles and you were bloody brilliant in 1979. So if you got better, you must have been a hell of a player. No, when I was sent half, I'm talking about. Ah, uh, yeah. okay. Yeah, I, I, 
I, I nearly apparently nearly got called up by England when I was at centre half, but I don't know if that's true or not. But um, no, I, when you mature, I, you, I don't know. I, I just got more confident. I, I think when I first went in in '79, when I got in the team, I was a little bit in awe of uh, you know my teammates because of what they'd achieved, and it, it maybe took a little bit of time for my confidence to get to a level where I could call myself an equal with them and. Um, then as you get older, I think you learn things. You're never too old to learn as a player. Um, you're never too old to learn as a person in, in anything you do. And if you can do that, you know, you'll have a longer career. And I'm sure Lewis is looking at that now. And, uh, you know, that, that'll be in his mind, you know, to prolong his career as, as much as possible. And while he's doing what he's doing, there's every chance he can do that. Um, this is a bit of a moving goalpost question, but Temps, would you like to see him here next year? Bearing in mind he's you know, he's on good money and he's a bit of a veteran now. Yeah, definitely. I mean, how many times have we signed a striker who we thought is the answer and it's it's proved not to be the case? I think that Graben is, uh, I'd, I'd hesitate to say a banker because he's he's not 25 goals a season guaranteed anymore, but he's um, you'd, you'd back him for 15 to 20, wouldn't you? And I mm-hmm. just think that um, by all accounts, he's got around the group, he's got a leadership role, obviously. I can't help but feel that he's the low-risk option. Now, look, if 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 we got promoted, is he going to cause too many problems in the Premier League? Um, prob- probably not. Um, but if it's another championship season and we're aspiring to be top six and Grabs has finished the goal on 18, 20 goals, I'd give him an extension and a heartbeat. What about you, Gary? It's like I say, there's a long way to go in the season and a lot can change. But if, if we were to put a contract in front of him now... Would you be doing that? Um, I wouldn't be putting a contract in front of anybody at the moment. Um, you've got to get into January. You've got to see what happens in January in the transfer market, see you know who comes and who goes. Um, Steve won't be... I, I, in the background, he'll be deciding and thinking, well, I want him, I don't want him, and blah, blah, blah. You know, That will happen. There'll be discussions with the backroom staff and everybody else. But there's a long part of the season to go yet, and he'll still be looking for improvement and progress from every player in that squad at the moment and that's what makes managers give players contracts reaction you know to to what's going on on the pitch you know is there improvement there are they listening to what I'm saying and are they doing what I want them to do and he'll be looking at every player and so will the backroom staff and like I say I always say they go through things like you know with a tooth comb and you have to do that and He'll have notes on every player and he'll be looking, you know, to say, right, he was a seven. He might be an eight now. And, you know, he's learning. He's doing what I want him to do. I'm delighted with that. And then there'll be others who say, mm, he's had a dip. He's maybe not, you know, what I thought he was. All these things have to be taken into consideration. And there'll be a time where, you know, he'll say, OK, I, I, I don't want him. I don't want him. I've got to replace these positions. And that will happen. Um, I'm going to be really interested to see what happens in January, um, whether he gets money to spend. I, I certainly hope he does because he deserves it uh, for what he's done so far. Yeah, so it'd be uh, an interesting period. But COVID's going to, you know, maybe interfere with, um, you know, a lot of things that will be going on in football. And we'll just have to sit back and see what happens. Um, as Philip says here in the comments, live on Facebook, uh, good cross for Brennan's goal. It was good cross attempts, wasn't it? And very, very well taken. I mean, not much more you can say about Brennan, but he's back in form, isn't he? 
Yeah, look, uh, I'll, I'll say it. I hope we keep him. He's an absolute weapon um, at this level. He's got pace and poise. And when you when you see him now with ball at his feet in that 18-yard box, you expect some production from him, be it a goal or an assist. Took took the goal very well under pressure and yet still had the touch rather than trying to connect with it first time and a nice side foot finish to um, to put us in the lead. So, yeah, I uh, I really hope that we get to the end of January with Ben in the side. That's what, I'd be interested to get Gary's view on this. What, what, what advice do you think he'll be getting from his dad about now? Um, I, whatever advice he gets from his dad, I, I advise him to listen massively because he knows massively. what he's talking about. He played, you know, at a high level. And I'd tell any kids, any, you know, young player, listen to every bit of advice you get, every little bit, you know, whether you think it's good or bad. And then, you know, you, you can self-assess things. You can maybe talk to he, he, He's lucky that he's got a dad who played professional football. And he can talk to him about things. He can ask him questions. You know, am I doing this right? You know, what can I do to improve? And, you know, what a great bonus that is for, you know, a young player when they've got a, a dad who's played at a, a, you know, a very good level. Um, what about in a professional sense, Gary, when he's thinking, should I stay, should I go? Um, you know, becoming a dominant in, force. Oh, yeah, in that respect, I, mm. I think I think he should stay, uh, very much so at the moment. Um you know, Cluffy always used to say, learn your trade, you know, and that always sticks with all who played for him, learn your trade. And you learn your trade by not thinking you, you, you're fantastic and going somewhere else and not getting in a team somewhere else. Um, you know, stick with it. He's a young lad. Uh, you know, there, there are so many teams who would want him at the moment. It all depends on whether we get in the playoffs or not. You know, this, this is going towards a conclusion that might be so positive for the football club because of what Steve's done since he's been here. And, uh, you know, he's clearly given, you know, young players a real chance to say, right, go out there. I know what you can do. Just go and prove it. And it's, again, not what you're bad at. He's only interested by the look of it in what they're good at. You know, and that was a great strength of Brian Clough. He wasn't interested in what you couldn't do. You know, he was interested in what you did when you went out on that pitch. And I think Steve's got that same mantra. And there's no point in going anywhere yet because he might be going into the Premier League. We don't know. We're all desperate to get in the Premier League. We're desperate to get in the playoffs. But, you know, it's all ifs and maybes at the moment. We've got to wait and see what happens and, you know, whether... Um, you know, he get the, he does get money to spend. Whether a lockdown, you know, comes in and it affects football again, there are so many imponderables at the moment that we've got to take into consideration. And I think the 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 phrase "one step at a time, one game at a time" has has got to be taken massively on board. Your next game, right? Go and win your next game. Don't lose your next game, and then take the next one exactly the same way because we can't look into the future like we used to because of what's going on in the world. And, you know, that, that's the only way we can go about things. And I'm sure Steve's telling everybody exactly the same. He'll be telling them, do not think about promotion. You know, I'm sure he will. Just go out and keep doing what you're doing. I'm delighted with what you're doing. And, you know, you don't need to do anything else. Just go and win football matches. doesn't matter how you win football matches. And that, that's the thing with Forrest, I think, at the moment. They're winning football matches by hook or by crook. 
by any way they possibly can. And that's brilliant to see because it tells you there's, there's grit there, there's deter determination, desire. When they're behind, they would have lost certain games under Steve before, previously. They wouldn't have come back into games, but they're coming back into games. And that gives me a lot of hope when teams go behind, they've got that belief and the desire and they've got the players who can make things happen and who keep making things happen. And that is the, the big bonus at the moment. If we can stay fit and well, we can put pressure on those teams in the top six. Do you think Cooper himself is reason enough to stay for a young player like Brendan? Because I think Cooper seems to get more out of a young player than Chris Hewton would. I've no offence to, to Chris in particular. But if you're a young lad, six more months with Steve Cooper playing good football is pretty valuable to you, isn't it? Yeah, but you, you look at what he did with the England setup, you know, and players know that. And they respect that. They can see he's done it at that level. And so they're going to say, right, you know, that's impressive what he did with those, those lads at that level, you know, and they will listen. And it's evident, you know, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to see what's happening at Nottingham Forest at the moment. The players trust him implicitly. And it's not just him. You know, he'll say the backroom staff are vitally important. And, you know, the, 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 all of them, you know, I've, I've met them and they're, they're a fantastic bunch. They've always got a smile on their face. They're so positive. And you can't do it by yourself. And the, the response from the players, again, has been staggering. And I, I'm just so impressed with every, every player who's bought into what Steve wants to do. Because if you don't, then you don't get what's happening now. You don't get smiling Forest fans going down every game thinking, Crikey, well, you know, we're winning football matches here. You know, we're, we're one place off the top six here. And we had one point when he came in. This this is staggering stuff, you know. And you can't speak highly enough of what he's doing in a short space of time. Mm -hmm. um, do you think the Osei Tutu injury could be a bit of a, a problem, Temps? Hull obviously capitalised on Forrest changing shape and going back to Colback at uh, left back. It was very good, adequate cover, but Forest can't really afford to lose too many players, can they? Not that any club can at the moment. That's a problem because if if you could, you'd probably name an unnamed starting eleven for this um, run of fixtures we've got coming up: Borough, Huddersfield, Barnsley. But I, I think um, what I like about Cooper's team selection is he knows he's got to get his best players on the pitch, and if that means accommodating Colback on the left or Yatesy at centre half. Um, then, then he'll do it, and I hope he maintains that um, strategy when he's making his team selection for those games. But yeah, he will be missed because he fits the mould and the style of um, football that we we want to play. He he was productive at the at the weekend, and yeah, no question, it's a blow. Um, last one on the game, Jean Carvalho got on the pitch. Uh, I haven't seen it, <laughs> so you can say anything you want, Thames, but what, how did he do? He didn't get any ball. Uh, I was excited when he came on the pitch because it was a, you know, a set of circumstances had to happen for him to get the call in uh, in, in, in that position. Um, I, I don't know what it says about Bong's prospects if he you know couldn't get the nod when the, the left-sided player um, was, was, was injured. Um, so there was some excitement around the ground, the ground when Jao came on, but he was starved of the ball. There was no lack of um, effort, running. He was happy to, uh, you know, do his make his defensive runs when he needed to. Um, but no, there was there was no spark. Um, but I don't put that down to any kind of bad attitude or, or lack of form. 
um, he he just he just wasn't um, the focal point of the attacks. Is that therein lies the problem in a sense, Gary? I mean, if Ryan Yates doesn't have the ball or Jack Colback doesn't have the ball, they can put tackles in. But if Shari doesn't have the ball, there's not too much more he can do, is there? Uh, yes, there is. You know, you can get a tackle in. Crikey, you, you look at some of the great playmakers. You know, you look at uh, you know past my you know, players like Johnny Giles and people like that were great on the ball. You know, the Kevin Keegan's, the Kenny Dalglishes. You know, they. They put tackles in. They were a little bit, you know, nasty when they needed to be. So you can, you know, if you, it's no excuse for anybody not to do it just because you're not that sort of player. You have to become that sort of player, and that's probably where the the problem lies with him. Uh, he's he's been pigeonholed as this sort of player who does this, but he doesn't do that. And but you know, he's got to learn and learn very quickly that. You have to be adaptable. You have to change. You have to be able to do multitasking and things like that. You can't just have one thing that you're good at because teams can stop that. You have to have a multi-talent you know, talent now. And um, it's it, football has changed. I always regret not uh, practising more with my right foot. Um, I can remember the Dutch lads coming over, Johnny Metcott and people like that, and they stayed behind training afterwards and you know, practised on what they weren't good at. And we were just concentrating and getting on the, you know, to the wine bar in Nottingham. Um, and I always regret the fact that, you know, I wish I'd have stayed behind and tried to get, you know, my weaknesses a little bit better. Um, you can do that. And, um, you know, it, he's, he's got to learn. It's a bit unfair on him to say, well, he didn't do this, he didn't do that, because he's not been there for months and months. And he'll be desperate to, you know, prove a point and try and do the right things. It'd be interesting if he started a game. You know that that's that would be my interest to to see how he's reacted to what Steve's come in and done, and whether you know he's had a word with him and you know said right, just go and do what you can do, like he has been doing with all the other players by the look of it. So you know the jury's still out, but it's you know it's it's worth a look. Did you have that yard of pace to get to the wine bar first? Did I what? Have that yard of pace to get to the wine bar first. Um, yeah, my left foot accelerated. The, my right foot accelerator was okay. I couldn't kick with my right foot, but I could accelerate the car with it. <laughs> um, one thing I forgot to say, Temps, uh, going back, the next game is Middlesbrough, isn't it? So Jed Spence can't play regardless. I guess they do need say 2 2 to be fit because he could go over to the right and Colbert played on the left. But if he's not fit, what are we doing then? Are you playing Sinkenagel as a right wing back or changing shape? There's not too many things you could do, is there? Well, personally, um, I'd avoid putting Bong in the side. So if I'm kind of looking through the bench from last time, there's potentially a spot for um, Figueredo, but that would probably dictate playing a playing a four. Um, there's going to have to be some accommodation, isn't there? It's, it's Colback inevitably is going to be the first to be put to the left-hand side because he's proved um, effective um, in that role. So, yeah, I would, I would imagine they're doing all they can to get Osei too too fit. Um, Figueredo probably the most likely candidate for me to come into the side and then uh, Colback, uh, Yates um, those kind of you know guys with the utility tag will, will probably have to um, slot into a slightly unfamiliar position to, to make it work but yeah you make a good point there I mean it's you, you're always two injuries away from um, having to disrupt the, the flow of the team and the flow of this team is, um, is you know better than it's ever been at this moment in time, I just like just just the Steve Cooper thing again. I mean, 
the life expectancy of a forest manager is um, is, is short, right? Um, it's been a long time since someone has started and finished the season. Let's not forget Steve didn't start um, this one. I really, really hope after everything we've been through, this is going to be the start of a set, settled period of management. If we do or we don't get promoted, give him the summer, let him plan, tweak, do whatever he needs to do. But let's just make sure um, that we stay behind this this manager. The run will inevitably come to an end at some point. There'll be some twists and turns in the road. We've got ourselves in a, a wonderful position. Um, and we're all enjoying, looking forward to these Forest games, watching the games, talking about them uh, afterwards. I really hope that, you know, us as fans and, you know, Gary as pundit, you as a, as a, as a journalist, the kind of collective following of Forest can really get behind this team, this manager, and, um, yeah, try and make a difference between sixth and seventh place which is probably our, our, you know, our, our most likely um, battle in terms of the method of promotion. If it is going to happen this season, I really hope we can, um, yeah, just en enjoy this, enjoy this period. I think the one of the most important things over the last couple of games, when you look at who we played, Peterborough and Hull, and the positions they are in the league, and I'm sure the fans would have looked at it and said, right, you know, two easy games they are. I've been so impressed with what how they've gone about things against those two teams because you ask any professional footballer who they hate playing against, teams at the bottom, because they don't want to get relegated. They're desperate not to get relegated to League One and they'll do everything they possibly can if they've got anything about them. And there have been two tough games. You know, Peterborough at times, you don't look really good. If they'd have had a striker of any note, we, we might have been in a little bit of trouble at times. You know, the first half wasn't good against Peterborough, but the second half was again, and maybe similar against Hull. And, you know, on, on Soccer Saturday, Michael Dawson was doing the game. And at the end, it was like, it's it's all Hull, it's all Hull. And, you know, you probably expect it to be all Hull. They're trying to get back in the game. And that's the only time I was a little bit nervy because, you know, Michael, I've, I've got a great deal of respect for Michael, you know, what he's done in his career. And, uh yeah, it was it, that was a little bit concerning, but they came through it, and that's you know might, they might not have done that before. I think about the Coventry game early in the season, the televised one, where you know we went we went one nil up, didn't we? Mm. And then we just sat back and we you know conceded two late goals. That is the difference for me from that period to this period. You know, we lost that game. I don't think we'd have lost that game now. I think we'd have won that game more comfortably. And that's the difference. That is the massive difference. You know, you, you're expected to beat certain teams, but when certain teams are down there, they're playing for their lives and their, their, likely, their livelihoods and they become more difficult and resolute and difficult to beat. So, yeah, very impressed with the last two performances. What's the value of the fans been, do you think, Temps? I asked that because obviously <clears throat> we hope games don't go behind closed doors again. Um, and purely from a football point of view, if they do, I mean, Forest fell apart when they did last time uh, and missed out on the playoffs, obviously. So how important do you think the fans have been in the last few games, Temps? Yeah, like life sport in general, nothing without the fans. We've all had the privilege of being at some behind closed doors, sports events, and it hasn't felt quite right. Um, I spoke before about the time that, you know, my, my club, Knott's Outlaws, won the T20 in 2020 in a silent stadium. Didn't feel the same. Um, you guys have been to plenty of football games where the same same applies. Um, for whatever reason, when um, momentum's on our side and we're on a good run, there is an advantage to the atmosphere at the city ground. We saw Blackburn getting excited about their crowd of 12,500 at the weekend. 
We had 26 in the city ground. It's an advantage. The players are confident. They're having name, their names chanted. They're, they're feeling, um, you know, unbeatable at this moment in time. So having a crowd in the ground is definitely to the advantage of Forest, to the disadvantage of the opposition. And there'll be some teams playing home games in a, um, you know, less favourable runs, less favourable parts of the table who'll be feeling the pressure from um, having an angry support base behind them. So, yeah, um, notwithstanding you know, Gary's points about um, the kind of safety and security of the nation, it's definitely in the interest of our football club to have crowds of high 20s behind them every week at the City Ground. I, I have to disagree a little bit there about the opposition because I think they come to the City Ground and because of the noise levels and the, the crowd size, that lifts the opposition even more. Um, you know, massively because, like we just said, 12,000, was it Blackburn? Other clubs don't get what we get. And when they come to the city ground, you know, the atmosphere is just electric. And as an as an opposition player, you know, that, that always used to lift you when you used to go to Anfield and play against Liverpool. You know, if you can't get lifted as an opponent by what was going on there, you shouldn't be playing football. Same as when you went to Old Trafford, you know, you were lifted. It gave you an absolute booster. Uh, thinking, right, look, listen to this. I want to, you know, silence this. And so it can have that opposite effect sometimes. And, you know, I, I saw that in the Peterborough game. I don't know about the whole game at, uh, on Saturday because obviously I wasn't there. But, um, you know, there were some young lads in that Peterborough side and it can lift you and it can be detrimental to the home team sometimes. But there's the difference again. Steve Cooper has brought a mentality into this football club that, won't allow that to happen. And uh, you can see the determination and the desire not to concede and lose a game. You know, whereas I'd mentioned the Coventry game, you know, we just lost two late goals and we were doing things like that. We're sitting back on one goal, expecting to try and win the game. And, you know, that, that makes a huge, huge difference when you've got a, a manager who's proactive. But I think we're all still a little bit scarred, though, Gary, from the back end of that 1920 season where we were proud of our team, looked dead certs to go into the playoffs. And then in the absence of, of crowds, um, something went missing and we, we, we capitulated. So I, yeah, I, I hope I'm right instinctively that we're in, a, we're in a period now where there is a true home advantage. Um, you know, you see the prevalence of home wins in the, in the championship. It is, it is an advantage playing at home. And I hope it's one of those, you know, if it's a 10% or a 1%, um, a reason for Forrest to feel that that little bit more more confident. But I'll tell you one thing, Michael. You know, you look at Manchester United, that used to, the old traffic used to be, um, you know, a fortress. And the number of pundits who've said, teams aren't frightened of going there anymore. You know, they're lifted by what they see. And the number of people who've said that about Old Trafford, because, you know, Manchester United were really struggling to win at home. And that that's because... You know, it, it lifts oppositions, so it can happen at the highest level. And uh, you know, sometimes teams have gone to Anfield, and it's been difficult for Liverpool. So uh, yeah, it's it's how you approach a, any particular game. And I, I always got lifted by the fact that uh, the opposition fans were, you know, once you had to quieten and you know try and get one over. And but I, I agree with you. If you get your home form right, every team in every division will tell you that. If you get your home form right. You've got every chance of being in contention, and that's exactly what we're doing at the moment. Um, last one on the the fans, sort of. Do you think Cooper's changed the mentality of the whole club, Gary, beyond the players? 
I believe so. I think, yeah, yeah, I've said before, he's embraced every, every possible part of that football club, the past, um, you know, the, the future, the present, you hear stories of him, you know, how good he is around everybody, how, you know, again, with the backroom staff, because uh, you can't do it alone. And, um, you know, it's great to hear stuff like that because it gives everybody optimism. It gives everybody that hope that we, you know, we can maintain this form at the moment. And, you know, we've got smiles on our faces. You know, we're, we're, we're you know, looking at the division. You're thinking, well, if they lose and they lose, we might just sneak up a couple of places and things like that. And before we're saying, oh, I hope they lose because, we, you know, we could be in relegation trouble there. You know, that's the major change in the city ground and what he's brought to the club. And um, you, you've got to give him huge credit for that because it wasn't an easy turnaround. When you sat bottom with one point, you are in trouble, massive trouble. And you, he's done it with the same set of players. Yeah, there's been a couple of different players been played, but he's inherited that squad and turned the whole lot round. And that is incredible what he's managed to achieve in that that space short space of time and uh i'm just delighted absolutely delighted you know i love listening to him i think he's he's honest he's particularly good as well um you know he'll say things if he thinks things haven't gone particularly well he'll say it you know he won't hide behind anything and i always like that you know it's i think it's refreshing i think the honesty is always good because how many times do you hear well, I didn't see that. And, you know, the Premier League managers especially, you know, it's, and you think, oh, do you think we're stupid? <laughs> and there's not a hint of that. And, and that is, you know, a real bonus as well. Um, changing tack slightly, a few people in the comments not unreasonably saying it's time to give the reserves a run out and uh, use the squad a bit, which made me think, I forgot that Tyrese Fauna signed a new contract this week. Um, were you a bit surprised, Temps? Well, I was, because I thought he's not really getting near the, the team. I thought he might move on. Were you, well, I assume you were happy he signed a new contract. Yeah, happy signed. He's going to develop into a, a, well, he is a good player, isn't he? But he, is he is he ready for top six of the championship? Probably not. Would you blood him more if you were, you know, you'd wrangled into mid-table obscurity? Definitely. Um, so I think he may have a period of frustration here. No doubt he's knocking on the door and, and saying he should play. But there's so much at stake. It becomes harder to to blood um, a young player. But yeah, I'd like to see him on the bench. I'd like to see him get in uh, 20 minutes um, here and there. But I wouldn't displace the established um, players in, in his position at this point in time. Mm. Um, last thing on players. Uh, Bren Brereton Diaz, Bren Brereton Diaz, I should say, got his 19th goal of the season. Uh, I asked a colleague up north who said Forrest do have a sell-on fee, although we don't know what it is, but they'll be in for some cash if he does go. He's a very good player. He's linked with, I don't know, £30 million is he worth now? I mean, any regrets over selling him, Gary? He was a long time Absolutely. ago. Absolutely. I, I said that at the time. I'm not just saying that in hindsight. He was ruined um, at that particular point because he was played wide and you clearly saw he wasn't a wide player. He didn't enjoy it. He wasn't comfortable with it, and it knocked his confidence for six. He was he was one I was worried about that would never bounce back because of, you know, what was done to him as a player. He, he clearly looked, yeah, he got stuff to learn, but not everybody matures at the same age. And I think that's the misconception in football. You have to mature at a certain age. You don't. Everybody's different. And his maturity has is, is been coming now for the last season and a half. And... 
to, to suddenly, you know, knock the boys' confidence and say, right, you're not centre forward, we're playing you wide. It's like, you know, saying me, right, you're going to play on the right wing, I'm, I'm a left footer sort of thing. It's it, it's really impressive the way he's responded because it didn't all go right for him when he first went to Blackburn. You know, he, he wasn't a, a first choice. And all of a sudden, the maturity has come out and the confidence has come out. And he's looking a different class as a striker. I'd love to be able to see him back at the city ground. But, you know, that won't happen because... Obviously, the the Premier League's clubs are looking at him, but yeah, if there's a sell-on clause, you know, hopefully Steve will get that and uh, be able to do something in January. And again, uh, you know, I I can't praise Ben Brereton Diaz enough because to turn his career around when it looked like he was on a downward spiral has been magnificent, and you've got to give the lad so much credit. And I just wish. He would have been treated a little bit better, you know, when he was at the city ground, because he was a, a an emerging talent, and you don't always, as I say, mature at the same time as everybody else. He's maturing big style now, and, and Premier League clubs are seeing that. Mm, he's a bit of a figure of fun at Blackburn for a while, wasn't he? It took him forever to get a goal, but uh, fair play to him for turning it around. Right, um, any other business, Gary? Before we go, um, no, just don't worry about what's going to happen. You know, the the meeting today, the Premier League meeting. Um, you know, what's going to happen? Is the Christmas period going to be cancelled? All these things, you know, we've just got to wait and see. The, I'm sure there's going to be some announcements. It's, yeah, it's, it, it's again, it's, you know, we're, we're just not used to this situation, but we've got to go with what, you know, the scientists and every, everybody says, and there's nothing else we can do about it. That's, that's the concern majorly at the moment. Temps, any other business before we depart? No, you said you were going to ask me what I was going to have for Christmas Well, dinner. I am. That was what was going to be my last question. I mean, uh, uh, you know, okay, you've got two young kids, a hard-working wife. I'm sure, I'm sure you're going to cook the dinner for her. What's going to be on there? Are you a turkey man? Yeah, I am having a turkey. Well, I'd love to tell you we were going to have a big traditional dinner, perfectly cooked with all the trimmings, but seeing as I'm in charge, I think it'll be a medium-rare turkey and a couple of flat Yorkshires. So, yeah, bangers and mash on standby. Excellent. Gary, obviously you've had a rough year losing Samantha, but you hopefully you're surrounded by the grandkids on Christmas Day. Yeah, it's it's gonna be a tough Christmas first one without her. You know, every every first situation without her's been very, very tough indeed, and this is gonna be no different. It's, but you know, I've got all my family are local. Uh, my daughter's coming up from uh, London. Uh, the grandkids, um Florence, she's she's her, her birthday on the twenty first and Oscar the eldest grandchild, his is on Christmas Eve, so it's going to cost, me a, gonna cost me a blooming fortune in, <laughs> in gifts and all sorts, but they're, they're, they're well worth it. They're, yeah, they keep your pecker up and they make you smile and, you know, that's what it's all about, Christmas, you know, to have your kids, you know, and watch them. Um, the two grandsons, have, you know, they just come back from Lapland, they went over there and they had an absolute ball over there. Um, so, yeah, looking forward to it. My daughter's, my oldest daughter's got a lot on her plate to, to cater for us all, but she's taking it on board. And yeah, as I say it all depends on, uh, you know, if there's a lockdown or if there's not. It's, uh, yeah, we're all on tender hooks again, and I'm just looking forward to it. You're not cooking? Me? Yeah. No. No, no, no. I just like eating. <laughs> I just like eating it. I, I don't profess to be a cook at all. I'm trying my best at the moment. Um, 
I did tuna last night and it was absolutely fantastic. I did it to perfection. I Googled and said, you have to leave tuna raw in the middle. And yeah. I did. I thought that sounds a bit, but it was absolutely gorgeous. So I was delighted with myself last night. Well, well done. And that's a good note to end <laughs> on. We wish everyone who's listening happy Christmas. I think we'll be back. Uh, well, if there are games, we'll be back between the games on about the 28th, hopefully. So hopefully we'll catch everyone then. Uh, if you like this, as ever, do give us a good rating and subscribe. Uh, Temps, thank you very much. Thanks, Matt. Merry Christmas, Gary. See you all And soon. to you, Michael. And to you, Matt. Enjoy. I shall. I shall. Thank you very much as ever, chaps. And we shall see everyone soon. Thank you for listening to Garibaldi Red, a Nottingham Forest podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, then please let us know. We love hearing your feedback. We'll be back soon with another episode. Thanks for listening. Yeah.